Let's pray together. Lord, we come before you again. We're so grateful to gather together, and we're grateful to have your word. We're grateful to see this morning how in your word, uh, people were, when they first met you, almost immediately, uh, they were witnesses for you. We pray, O oh God, that we would be inspired to be your witnesses, to be your witnesses in this generation, to share the gospel of Christ with others. So as we read your word and proclaim your word, I pray also, Lord, that you would call us out, that you would call each one of us to be witnesses uh, in our places of home and, and work and, and where we travel and the things we do, that we would be witnesses to those closest to us, uh, first and foremost. We ask in Christ's holy name, amen. Well, today we're going to read two sections of John 1. Uh, we're, one of those uh, verses 35 to 42 we read last week, and uh, we saw that, uh, and, and that one highlights the call of, of Andrew and how he went and called uh, Peter, and Jesus ultimately called Peter or Simon Peter. Then the other verses we're going to read today are 43 to 51, and they highlight the call of Philip and the call of Nathaniel. But first, let's read John 1, uh, verses 35 to 42. The next day, again, John was standing with two of his disciples. And he looked at Jesus as he walked by, and he said, Behold, the Lamb of God. The two disciples heard him say this, and they followed Jesus. Jesus turned and saw them following and said to them, What are you seeking? And they said to him, Rabbi which means teacher, where are you staying? And he said to them, come and you will see. So they came and they saw where he was staying and they stayed with him that day for it was about the 10th hour or four o'clock in the afternoon. One of the two who heard John speak and followed Jesus was Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. And he first found his own brother, Simon, and said to him, we have found the Messiah, which means Christ. He brought him to Jesus, and Jesus looked at him and said, You are Simon, the son of John. You shall be called Cephas, which means Peter. We've seen from the very beginning in this series, when Bucky introduced it on August 14th, that John the Baptist came as a witness to Jesus. John 1, 6-8 says, There was a man sent from God whose name was John. And he came as a witness to bear witness about the light that all might believe through him. And a witness is a competent, firsthand testimony of a person who has seen or heard, known, and experienced. And John was such a person. We saw last week that John came and he came to prepare the way of the Lord. And we also saw how he pointed people to Jesus. He pointed people to Jesus, the Lamb of God, who takes away the sins of the world. But we also saw that John was really quick to say, I'm not the Messiah. Jesus is. So you should follow him. In today's text, we see how 
John's witness begins to gain momentum as John's disciples begin to follow Jesus. And they begin to witness to their family and to their friends. We have in these verses what we might call family and friends evangelism. John, for a second time, points out Jesus and says, Behold, the Lamb of God, the one who takes away the sins of the world. This time, two of John's disciples heard him, and they decide to follow Jesus. When Jesus asked them or saw them following, he said, What are you seeking? Well, what do you want? I think Jesus' question may have intimidated them, or at the very least, it shocked them, because they didn't really answer him. Notice the text says, they said, Rabbi, where are you staying? John MacArthur, in his commentary, argues that these two were not merely asking where Jesus was residing, but they were asking if they could go come in an indirect way. They were asking, can we have a private audience with you? Can we spend a little time with you? Fortunately for them, Jesus responded, come, and you will see. Jesus never put off the sincere seeker. He always bid them, come and see. It's an evangelistic reminder for us that like Jesus, we should seek after, we should invite those who are sincere to come and see, to come and see Jesus. The text says in verse 39 that they stayed with Jesus all that day. We do not know what they talked about that evening, but it was significant enough that at least one of them became a disciple of Jesus. For verse 40 tells us that one of them was Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. Many have speculated that the other one who came was probably John, the disciple and the author of this gospel. Because John never speaks of himself in his gospel, he never calls out his own name, uh, he never brags on himself other than to say, for example, in John 21, he calls himself the disciple whom Jesus loved, who has written these things, but he never calls out his name. Either way, we know Andrew became a follower, and he became a follower that day. And we don't know a lot about Andrew. In fact, what we do know about him mostly uh, is that he's always referred to as Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. He, he seems to not have an, an identity of his own other than he's the brother of Simon Peter. But one thing we do know about him is that every time we see him in the gospel, he's bringing someone to Jesus. Every time we see him in John's gospel, he's bringing someone to Jesus. In our text, verses 41 and 42, he found his brother Simon, and he said, we found the Messiah, and he brought him to Jesus. In John chapter 6, Andrew brought a boy with five barley loaves and two fish, and Jesus fed 5,000 people with them. In John 12, Andrew's involved with some Greeks who want to see Jesus, and we don't know if they ever made it to see Jesus but we know that Andrew went and he told Jesus about these folks and how they wanted to see him. Andrew just always seems to be around to introduce people to Jesus and Jesus to people. 
After Jesus bid him come and see, it seems that he spent the rest of his life bidding others come and see. Come and see Jesus. And chief among them was his brother Simon, whom Jesus gave the name Cephas, which means Peter, which also means rock. Though Peter wasn't always the rock, he indeed became the rock upon which Jesus built his church. But think about that. None of that would have ever happened if Andrew hadn't gone and found his brother and told him about Jesus. Remember that as we go along. Andrew shared Jesus with his family, namely with his brother, Simon Peter. Now I want to move on to Philip and Nathaniel, and we'll consider lessons we learn from Andrew and Philip regarding witnessing to family and, and friends. And I'll kind of connect these two sections at the end. But before I read the next text, I need to let you know that Nathaniel is called Bartholomew in the Synoptic Gospels. Matthew, Mark, and Luke always use Bartholomew. They, they never use the word Nathaniel. John never uses Bartholomew. He only uses Nathaniel. Evidently, Nathaniel was his given name, and Bartholomew was his surname, which means son of Ptolemy. I just want you to know that when you read the Gospels and you see those lists, and you go, hey, wait a minute, there's no Nathaniel there. Bartholomew is Nathaniel. And what's interesting is that in those lists in the Synoptic Gospels, Bartholomew always follows Philip. And as we'll see, Philip brought Bartholomew or Nathaniel to Jesus. And for the rest of history, those two are connected in the list of the apostles. Turn with me to verses 43 to 51. The next day, Jesus decided to go to Galilee. And he found Philip and said to him, follow me. Now Philip was from Bethsaida, the city of Andrew and Peter. And Philip found Nathanael and said to him, We have found him of whom Moses in the law and also the prophets wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. Nathanael said to him, Can anything good come out of Nazareth? Philip said to him, Come and see. Jesus saw Nathanael coming toward him and said of him, Behold, an Israelite indeed, in whom there is no deceit. Nathanael said to him, How do you know me? Jesus answered him, Before Philip called you, when you were under the fig tree, I saw you. Nathanael answered him, Rabbi, you are the Son of God, you are the King of Israel. And Jesus answered him, Because I said to you, I was under the fig tree, do you believe? You will see greater things than these. And he said to him, truly, truly, I say to you, you will see heaven open and the angels of God ascending and descending on the Son of Man. Andrew found his brother Simon, but Philip found his friend Nathanael. Jesus said to Philip, verse 43, follow me. And then after telling us that Philip was from the same Galilean town as Andrew and Peter, John tells us in verse 44 that Philip went and found Nathanael. Of course, at first, verse 46, Nathanael was a skeptic. 
He said, can anything good come out of Nazareth? He couldn't believe that, that anything good could come out of such an insignificant town that's, that's not really spoken of in the Old Testament. But Philip didn't argue with Nathaniel. He didn't enter into a heated debate about Nazareth or about the value of that town. He just said, come and see. Come and see. And we know from the rest of the story that Nathaniel did indeed go and see, and he met Jesus, and he concluded verse 49, Rabbi, you are the Son of God. You're the King of Israel. He recognized Jesus as the long-awaited Messiah. So what do these two incidents, incidents teach us? What do they have to say to us today? Well, remember Andrew immediately went and found his brother, and Philip quickly found his friend, Nathaniel. Evangelism, witnessing, begins with the people closest to us. It begins with family and with friends. Evangelism should always begin at home. It begins before your children or grandchildren are born, while they're in the womb, while you're praying for future children and grandchildren. Evangelism begins by praying that they will come and see Jesus, that they will know Him as Lord and Savior. And then we continue to pray with them and for them, and we continue in our households to share Christ with them. Jeanette and I did a, a lot of things I know wrong as parents. Probably enough that our kids can keep therapists in business for years to come. But we always tried to instill in our children two things. We love you. And Jesus loves you even more. We love you, and Jesus loves you even more. Now, evangelism to your children gets harder as they get older. Just like witnessing to a parent or a sibling or some other relative can be quite difficult. Why? Why is it difficult to witness to relatives? Well, because it requires something more. Think about it. It's not that difficult to leave a gospel track in the doctor's office. It's really not. And though talking to a stranger about Jesus makes a lot of us very nervous, it's not as costly for us personally because, well, we may never see that person again. But your child, your brother, your sister, your mom, your dad, your best friend, oh, they know whether faith in Jesus this faith you're talking about, has it really affected you personally? They, they know whether you're the one in the family always shirking your duties and your responsibilities in the family. They know whether you're a caring person. They know whether this faith you're talking about, is it just intellectual? Is it just lip service? Or is it real? They know that you bit the head off of the clerk at the grocery store. They know, in short, whether you're merely talking the talk 
or walking the walk. I can tell you as a pastor, I've had to go home after church some Sundays and say to my family, I'm not walking the walk. The very things I preached about, honey, I hurt your feelings. Or to the kids, I did this wrong. They know. They see. The stranger on the street doesn't know how we're living, but our friends and family do. And so the, the first technique or the first tool you and I need to put in our tool belt in order to be an effective witness is the testimony of a changed life. We need the testimony of a changed life. This truth isn't explicit in our text, but Simon, Peter, and Nathaniel must have seen some change in their brother and their friend, maybe something in the eyes of Andrew and Philip, maybe, maybe something in their voice, maybe a spring in their step, maybe the sincerity of their bidding, come and see. But something had changed, so much so that they were willing to go with them and to meet Jesus. Further, Simon was given a new name, Cephas or Peter. And by nature, Simon was brash. He wavered. He was undependable. He, he tended to make promises he couldn't follow through with. He lunged head forward and then he would back out of it. So it appears Jesus changed his name to be a constant reminder of who he should be. He was supposed to be a new person. 2 Corinthians 5.17, he was supposed to be a new creation. The old was gone. The new had come. Simon was gone. Peter the Rock was who he was supposed to be now. And interestingly, Jesus continued to call him Simon or Simon Peter from time to time. And every time he did, you knew Peter was getting ready to be rebuked by Jesus. Every time. It's almost like your mom and dad going through your full name, you know, when they, call you, when they call you out. Danny Ray Redmond, you knew you were in trouble. But he would call him Simon from time to time. And, and Jesus was in, in effect saying to him, look, there you go being Simon again. You're acting like Simon again. I called you to be Peter the Rock. I called you to be a changed man. So a changed life, beloved, is required if you and I are going to be effective witnesses. They'll know us by our fruit. There must be a changed life. And then an effective witness is going to always point people to Jesus. Always point people to Jesus. I, some, many of you have seen all the many stories going around around about Queen Elizabeth, but one that's been shared a, a number of times about this past week was about how she hoped to still be living when Jesus returned. Because she said something in effect, I should love to lay my crown at his feet. And I thought about that. That she was willing to take her crown off and lay it at his feet and to point to Jesus. That's beautiful. You know, it seems obvious in evangelism that that's what we ought to do, but, but sometimes we get so caught up in, in our schemes and our techniques and, and we forget that the ultimate goal is to lead that person into a personal relationship with Jesus. 
And we've talked about techniques. We've talked about the four spiritual laws and the bridge diagram and, and Romans Road. And in January, we're also going to talk about a, a technique that our denomination has recommended, uh, the three circles. And all of these are great tools for witnessing for Jesus. And, and they're, they're especially good for us to have for those of us who get nervous when we start witnessing for Jesus. But they're helpful only in as much as they point people to Jesus. They're helpful in as much as only, only as much as they tell, say to people, come and see. Come and see Jesus. You see, we can also get distracted by side arguments as well. And often people whom we're trying to witness to, they will intentionally try to derail our testimony by a side argument. Had we been Philip, we would have been tempted to argue, well, wait a minute, Nathaniel, let, let me tell you about Nazareth. Let me tell you why it's important. And, and let me tell you why something can, significant can come out of such a small place. Philip didn't get into those side arguments. He said, I want you to come and see Jesus. Our calling like that of Andrew and Philip is to go and tell others what we have found. That we have found a beautiful relationship with Jesus Christ. We found the most wonderful gift of all, the Messiah. The one the law and the prophets spoke of. And one final insight from our text that I want to share this morning is that if we're going to be effective witnesses, you and I have to have spent time personally with Jesus. Andrew verse 39 spent the evening with Jesus. His time with Jesus was so amazing, it was so wonderful, that he couldn't help but go and tell his brother. It was after that great time with him that he, that he just went out. He had to find somebody, and the first person he thought of, i got to go tell my brother. This is great, he's got to hear about Jesus. You see, witnessing tends to grow out of a deep abiding relationship with the Lord. When we have the joy of the Lord, when we enjoy our salvation, we can't help but, but talk to others. So I want to ask us all, how effective is our witness to family and friends this morning? Do they see the testimony of a changed life? Are we pointing them to Jesus? Are we letting them know that we have found the most wonderful gift of all, salvation in the Lord Jesus Christ and a relationship with Him? Are, are we so excited that we say to them, come and see, I want you to have that blessing as well. And are we spending time with the Lord so that we can share out of the overflow of that relationship? It's a tough question. Tough questions. And it's not an easy calling but the salvation of our family and friends is worth it. It's worth it. Let's pray together. Lord, I pray that somehow we're more and more living into the changes that were wrought in us when Jesus entered our lives. That we're living like a new creation. That we're truly born again. 
I, I pray we're living regenerated lives. Make us new creatures, O oh Lord. So different that people are drawn to your saving faith. Some of us have walked with you for many years. Take us back to when we first became believers. Give us a new excitement, a new energy, a reminder each day that we're born again. I pray, oh God, that we would, when we ask people and when we have opportunities to talk to people and when we make those opportunities, I pray that we would point them to Jesus. I pray that we're just inviting people, come and see. Come and see. Experience what I have experienced. And Lord, I pray that we would spend more time with you and that we would witness out of the overflow of a deep abiding relationship with you. And Lord, may our witnessing begin at home. Use us to share the gospel with our family and with our friends. I pray that the joy of our faith, the joy of our salvation would be so great that we can't help but share our faith with those closest to us and then expand and share with others. Oh Lord, make us your witnesses in this generation. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Charge all of us to go out and be Christ's witnesses in this generation, beginning with those near and dear to us, beginning at home and with our closest friends. Now may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with all of you today and forevermore. Amen.